A lot of us, we, we, we think about, uh, if we don't make the re uh, resolutions, we think about it during this time, uh, whether or not we're going to do it or not, and all that stuff. And it's, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's an innate part of who we are that we want to continue to better ourselves. Uh, no matter who you are, whether you are someone that doesn't uh, uh, believe in faith or anything like that, we, we, we are, as human beings, we want, to, uh, we want to make the next year better than the year before. We want to do things that help to bring us happiness, and we start to look for things in either in our lives or, uh, or in our surroundings that will help us to do that. Uh, and a lot of us, we've started out this year uh, hopeful, and a lot of us, we've started out this year fearful because of the things that have happened in the last uh, couple of years. And so all of us are praying for a better future. And that's what people at the time of John the Baptist were praying for was a better future. If you look at the people around this community at this time, these are people that uh, their religion has been uh, kind of uh, threatened. They have been following a faith. Uh, the Israelites have been following a faith for thousands of years, and they are living in a place where they used to be the kingdom. It used to be the thing that they were uh, the leaders of the world. And now they are repressed they are under Roman rule. They are uh, not as happy as they should be. There were, there's a lot of uh, shaky years on that and a lot of uncertainty. Uh, there's a lot of pessimism, but there's a lot of hope as well. And suddenly this person named John comes out of nowhere, and John is not a person that you would expect to follow. If, if, if John were alive today, I'm not sure we'd be writing about him. Uh, John was a person that lived outside in the wilderness. He ate locusts. He ate uh, honey. He was dressed in uh, camel's fur. He looked like a, uh, well, John was a homeless person. Uh, and John was the person that uh, would be stereotypical of that time of being a homeless person. They did not dress in camel fur at this time, and they did not eat locusts and honey at this time. People were uh, part of a society. They wore uh, better clothes. They had uh, homes that they could go into. They had meals that they could eat, just like you and I do today. And if we saw somebody that was in basically rags, that didn't eat much, that uh, was running around telling people, beware because the kingdom of God is about to happen, we might say, I'm not going to go to that Walmart anymore. Uh, because we might say, that's a nut. You know, that's not a person that I would follow. We expect our news to be from people that uh, have a certain clout, a certain reputation, and indefinitely a certain look. And John didn't meet any of that criteria. We want to follow people sometimes that tell us what we want to hear, that comfort us. We don't like to have messages in our lives that are not comforting. John wouldn't have fit that either because he was telling a message that was very comforting on one side, but very discomforting and scary on the other side. He would stand at the Jordan River and people would come to him and he would tell them to beware, to be ready for the kingdom of heaven, to be ready for the king. But he talked about him as a person that was going to clear things out, 
that he was going to be bringing an axe and he was going to be chopping down the things that didn't matter to make room for the things that did. And John wasn't one of those that just took everybody. He would refuse baptism sometimes to people that he did not think were purposely doing what it took to be baptized. Now, baptism makes a, uh, the, the whole idea of baptism. Let me, can I tell you something? There's been experts all over the world since the time that this has been written down. And if you ask people exactly what was the purpose of John's baptism, you're going to hear varying answers because truthfully, we, we have guesswork but we don't have a definitive thing. We don't know exactly how he did it. We know that we, he was uh, in the Jordan River. We don't know if he submerged people. We don't know if he sprinkled it on the head. We don't know if he just kicked water at him from the side. We have no idea how it was actually done. We can tell you that historically, Jewish people would ceremonially cleanse themselves. And most of this actually had to do with uh, physical things, um, uh, unclean, unclean things. Um, uh, a, a, a woman's menstrual cycle was, was one that was very important about uh, when that ended. You had to clean yourself. Uh, you had to ceremonially clean yourself for different things. And they would have different things. They would have pools where you could submerge yourself. To do that. And they also had uh, areas where you could basically kind of, it almost resembled washing your hands. And, but that was, that ceremony was very important. And you would see religious leaders, especially, oh, they like to make the, the, the you know, the, the, the look, look at me, I'm doing this, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, and they would do it in a, in a way, you know, that uh, uh, looked cool and, you know, gave them all the, the status and everything like that, you know, and oh, they're really clean. And but John was doing something different. For John, it wasn't about the outer appearance. It wasn't about the outside. It was about the inside. It was about a word called repentance. It was about ceremonially cleaning yourself of your sins and making way for the kingdom. It was about being able to wash away the things that have burdened you and open up a way to receive the new king, which we know now is Christ. But that's what it was about with John. It was about an inside thing. Now again, you're talking about a religion that had been going on for thousands of years, but most of the rituals had to do with outer appearance and outside things. And so the concept of going deeper within someone's soul was really kind of, it's something that we, we were confused by. People around that time were a little confused by that because they couldn't see it. They couldn't taste it. They couldn't touch it. They couldn't smell it. But John was telling people that it's there and that this commitment, this, this ceremonial thing, he was telling people, you've been washing all of this tradition and all of this kind of stuff on the outside. Now is the time to go deeper than that and to actually cleanse your soul for the coming of God. Now, they didn't believe that water was magical and that it was going to take away things like this. I believe that what John was really talking about was a commitment, was about uh, making a, a commitment to yourself to, to actually publicly say, 
I've taken a personal inventory of who I am. And I know the things that I've done that have either hurt others or hurt myself. I know the things that have kept me from experiencing God. And I am going to ceremonially show the world that I'm ready to make a change in my life. I'm ready to do all I can. Now, John knew that this was not going to make somebody perfect, that the minute that they did this, they were not going to be sin-free for the rest of their lives. But what he was pointing out is that we do have things in our lives that permit us from going a step further. We do have those things that we need to resolve in our lives. Whether we make a, a ceremonial resolution at this time of year or not, we do have things that keep us off the mark. And that's what sin is originally, the, the, the title of sin, the, the definition of sin, originally dates back to archery, of getting off the mark of something. And your prize is to get in contact and better yourself, make yourself one with, uh, with God, but we all have done things and continue to do things in our lives that miss the mark on that. And that's what John was talking about, is that you've been missing the mark. And so when people would sincerely come to the Jordan and say, I've been doing this. Uh, I've been letting, uh, you know, uh, this take over my life rather than focusing on on faith and spirituality and the things that actually truly help me to propel forward and to grow. I've been doing these things, and I I want John to to help me experience a a cleansing of that so that I can rebuild again, so that at this moment I can start my new year, regardless of what the calendar says. Every one of us has things. If if I, uh, when I, when I, you know, everybody uh, I think here is either uh, have read my book or familiar with my book, but you know that my past is not something that is uh, just uh, filled with neatness. It's a, it's a book that is bad. It's a, a book that uh, is, is about why I shouldn't be here right now. Uh, it's a book about taking the wrong paths in life. I cannot stand up here and continue to do the things that were in my book. Those were the things that were keeping me from being in this place in my life. We, we know that. And a lot of us, we have things in our lives that uh, we don't like to use the word sin anymore for some reason. But sin is something that we do do that keeps us from seeing where we could go. Uh, sometimes we do things with, uh, with uh, hatefulness. Sometimes we do things with anger. Sometimes it's lust. Sometimes it's greed. There are things that we do that take us off the mark in our lives. And John was about ready yourself. Be ready for the kingdom. And he would say this. It says, In those days John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom has come near. Now, repent is something that uh, if, if uh, you ever grew up with, like I did, where you'd have televangelists on the TV and stuff, and they were always talking about repent, and they were always just trying to, to, to literally scare the heck out of you uh, because they, they thought that uh, that's the way that you repent is to, to fear this. Well, John was actually kind of like that. He would tell people, you know, be careful because God's coming and he's going to pick these people, but he's not going to pick these people. And so he did use some, some scary conversation a little bit. That's just the reality of it is he was saying, look, you've got to be okay and in the right frame of mind. 
Now, today, we, we know that, that what that means is not the fact of uh, God's just going to look at you and say, oh, you're icky, you're not, you, I don't like you anymore because you did this thing. We know that what John was talking about is that if you're not focused, if you're not with God, you're going to have a hard time seeing God. The things that I did in my life took me away from God. I couldn't focus on God. I didn't feel in God's presence like people say that they do. I didn't feel uh, centered in my life. I continually just kept running. And that running kept me away from God. So if God uh, was present in my life, it wasn't a fact of God just saying, you're icky. It was actually a fact of God uh, just, I didn't know he was there. I, I, didn't, I didn't see God because I was too busy doing other things. And that's the message that John's trying to tell us. But as he's doing this, he looks up and he sees uh, religious leaders. Religious leaders coming uh, to the baptism. Okay, (laughs) religious leaders, they're the ones that people for thousands of years went to for all the advice that they could get, uh, for leadership, for, for inspiration. They're, they're the ones that uh, we, we hope that still people still rely on uh, people in their lives that they can count on. The people that were being baptized saw many of these religious leaders as leaders. People that, well, we saw them doing the hand thing. They're, they're obviously good people and everything like that. But when John saw them, He immediately got angry, and he said, you brood of vipers. That's not a good thing. Uh, You you don't call people that. Uh, And and I'm sure that that was the cleansed version for our biblical reading of this day. But John was a person that never held back, and he said, you brood of vipers. Who told you how to avoid this? Who told you about this? And you... uh, He said, you see yourselves as ancestors of Abraham. Now, at this time, the people of Israel thought, and rightfully so, because they'd been taught for thousands of years that they were the children of God, that God had specifically chosen them. But many people, they looked at it as a free ride. We're God's favorite. You ever had a sibling that thought that they were the favorite? I don't know about that because I wasn't, but the, the one that, you know, just I'm, I'm the favorite, or you've worked with somebody that was the, 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 the favorite, well, they can get a little cocky about that. And that's exactly what was happening with the Israelites at that time. Many of them were very honest, very sincere, and very much wanting to be in a relationship with God. But there were some that thought it was just a free ride, that they could go through the motion of washing their hands in public but they could really be nasty people. And when we talk about, uh, you know, the, the religious leaders of the time, they were treated by many as royalty. They would come in and the room would quiet down. They got to wear the nice things. Many of them had uh, basically the equivalent of uh, mansions, indoor plumbing, uh, even, even, believe it or not, air conditioning in this time. They had the top of the top, and they were treated like that because they were the religious leaders of the time. 
And Judas calls him out, and he gets angry at him, and they're the ones that he's refusing to baptize. And he said, you guys think that you guys are the sons of Abraham. I tell you this, that God could take one of these stones and make them the sons of Abraham. In other words, it's not about your bloodline. It's not about who you are. It's about much more than that. And for the first time in many of their ears, they are starting to hear that the kingdom of God is, has a wider door than what they thought it did. Because by that statement, what he is saying is that the kingdom of God is not just for the Israelites anymore, that it's for other people. And so for the first time in the book of Matthew right now, we're having a person that is considered a preacher saying something about inclusion. That's a long time ago, and we still messed that one up. John the Baptist was saying, it ain't just for you, it's for them too. Out of the mouths of a homeless person, out of the mouths of someone on the outside, someone that everyone actually, no matter what he looked like, gave him the authority because he had that authority, was saying, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. I hope we can remember that, and I hope we can uh, find a way to actually embrace that and find a way to, as a church to practice that. But the biggest thing that John had the problem with these guys it was not about uh, specific sins of, uh, I, I saw you stealing from this guy, or I saw you doing this, or anything like that. The biggest problem that John had with these religious leaders, the one that he's con confronting the most, is their cockiness. The people that had been coming to John to be baptized, to be part of this, were coming in humility. They were coming not judging other people. They were not coming saying, yeah, I did this, but that guy's a much worse guy than I am. They were coming to say, this is me. I own it. I want to be better. And John wasn't seeing that in the religious leaders. The religious leaders at that time were standing on their high horse saying, that's you. You need to be better. And John called that out. And then, Jesus comes in. This is his, his first uh, adult appearance in, in Matthew. This is, this is like the movie Superman. You, you've, you've spent some time with him as a kid, but then he makes that appearance in the suit, you know, and he's all adult now, and he's muscular and everything like that. And that's exactly what Jesus looked like. Not really. But he comes in. But John recognizes him. And John, here's the test. The religious leader, John, could have easily said, see, even Jesus comes to me, even the Son of God. What do you think about those potatoes? He could have done that because that's what the religious leaders at the time would have done. But instead, John becomes just like one of the people that he is helping baptize. He's coming by them and he looks at Jesus and he says, I'm not worthy of this. Yeah. I should be coming to you. I'm not even worthy of tying your sandals. The old translation actually says tying your thong, but we've changed that since then. It's sandals. Please don't 
share that quote. Sandals. But Jesus says, uh, let, let it be done for now. Let, let's, let's do this. The person that the religious leaders would not have done that. Because the religious leaders had to keep a distance. The last thing they wanted to be was approachable. The last thing they wanted to be was on the same ground as all the other people. And here we have an example of somebody that is saying, look, the, the kingdom of heaven is not just for you. It's for everybody. And he's talking about humility. He's talking about owning your stuff. And here we have Jesus, the son of God, the king that he's talking about, confirming that by playing an a position of humility. By Jesus saying, this is the way we're going to do it for now. Jesus is stepping into the role of the humble. He's not. He is announcing to the world right then and there, I'm not coming as a king. I'm, I'm not going to be in the nice throne. I, I don't have air conditioning. I'm going to leave my house. I'm going to be homeless as well. I'm going to be on the outside as well. I am not coming as royalty. I am coming as you. Humble. And he gets baptized. Now, we don't, again, we don't know exactly how that, you know. For some reason, when we watch it in, in, the, in the movie things, it's in slow motion. Uh, everything dramatic happens in slow motion. But yeah, if you do that in real life, they think there's something wrong with you. So he comes and he's baptized. And suddenly, they see, it says the heavens open up. And it says that the, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. And a voice is heard. This is my son, for whom I'm well pleased. So, in just this one story... You've got the, the setup here for the rest of the book of Matthew of the, the religious leaders. And the book is saying, don't be like them. You've got the humble people coming in to be baptized. You've got John who takes the role of humility to be a servant to Jesus. You've got Jesus saying, I am going to assume the role of humility as I enter this scene. And then you've got the voice of God saying, exactly. That's exactly how we're going to do this. So when we do this, when we set the stage for this in a very humble way, you have a homeless person that eats nothing but bugs. And I don't think honey makes a locust taste any better. But you got this homeless person out there who should be on the outside telling the religious leaders that are on the inside that everybody is important. And then you've got God confirming it. Why don't we get that now? Why do we still want people on the outside? Why do we still say it's us first? Why do we still say, I, I only listen to people with a certain amount of status? 
Why do we still say that person that is this in this position or wearing this thing or being an influencer in this way, they are obviously more important than that person over there? Why are we continuing to say that some people are in and some people are out? Why, why do we continue to follow the ones that are accused of the pride instead of the ones that are honored as the servants. When we make our resolutions this year, I hope we see it as something a little bit different. That we don't look at the status or the power or the position or who comes first. But we almost look at the nation, the, the world, the earth as that body of water just flowing together and every one of us is sharing it. I pray that we can do that. Why don't you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we just pray that we can resolve the, the, the notion that we have of, of power in this world, of prestige, of clout, reputation, and that we understand that it's our honesty, our sincerity, our ownership of the things that keep us from you that really matter. Help us, help us to see the world a little bit more humbly and not to judge others for who they are, but to just take a look at who we are and how we can better ourselves. We pray that we can do that so that we all and learn more about love. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. You know, one of the things that, um, when we look at the people that are in our lives that mean a lot to us, their friends, uh, it's usually because we have something in common that has started those friendships or relationships. We, we either like the same music, we like the same things. Uh, we have commonality. And those commonalities are the things that keep us together. Uh, we all have more than that in common, too. Every one of us has felt sad. Every one of us has felt angry. Uh, every one of us has felt hope. And every one of us has felt hopeless. Every one of us has gone through something in our life that is, we've considered a struggle. Uh, every one of us has carried a certain burden in our life that has been hard to go through. Or maybe we're continuing to go through it. Uh, and every one of us has done something, maybe more, in our lives that has set us back a bit, that, that has hurt ourselves or hurt another person. And every single one of us wants to be loved. May we share those things a little bit more and find what we have in common rather than standing on the side pointing. Uh, we can be in the water welcoming. May we do that, and may we continue to love God, love ourselves, and love our neighbors. Amen.